The following program is recommended for ages 18 and over due to adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Behind the Scenes, a look at some of the sometimes steamy inside of Hollywood with your host, Hollywood executive and former Victoria's Secret model, Summer Helene. Our program features the gossip, the dish, and the stories of what's really going on behind your favorite movies, television shows, and celebrities from the people who are involved in the industry. Now, here is your host, Summer Helene. Welcome to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. We are on today with one of my favorite people, my co-host. I'd normally call him the baddest bear in the cage, but let's face it, today we have on Joe Daddy Stevenson, so Bear's not the baddest in anything. Sorry, Bear. No, it's fine. I'm, my pride only hurts after that, but it's okay. Oh, okay. I watched Joe beat you up literally earlier today, so I'm not sure how your pride hurts, but I'm surprised your back doesn't. He just did it right I now. I was impressed. Touching me. It was quite impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, our guest today is a former UFC fighter, a hell of a coach, and one of the most interesting guys to come out of the MMA world, Joe Daddy Stevenson. Joe, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me, Summer. Thank you, Jared. Um, I'm excited to be here, and, and for sure... For sure, Jared works out more than most people I know. I'm really, he's starting to, uh, to make, to get noticed. Like, a way to get noticed normally in the gym is like, you know, like you, you mess up. Um, but like, I come from a time <laughs> where like the best way to get noticed in a gym was to work harder than everyone. And it seems like it was a different time, um, than it is now. And it feels good to see somebody putting in the amount of effort he is. I, I gotta say, I think well, the best you know, way to get noticed in a gym would be to wear a D-string. I'm just not sure you'd be welcome back on the machine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's that's really uh, awesome to hear. Thank you so much for that compliment. And you know, I was gonna, I was already gonna mention that you're uh, my primary coach, my one of my best, actually probably the best coach I've ever had. Period. So I had a very interesting question. It's kind of a hardball question. So I'm sorry about that, but I have to know who is your favorite student ever, and why is it me? It's not you. Damn That's it, awesome. Bear. No, bad Bear. <laughs> really. um, well, I have, I have some issues, you know. I I love winning. So, like, if you're winning and we're, we go on a tear, it's, it's very easy for me to get distracted because we're just, oh, yeah. We're, everyone, like, I love – it feels like I'm in there with you when you fight. Um, so that part – makes it hard. Um, I think the, my favorite student has to be my sons. I couldn't pick between one of them, but it tends to be children because children, like an adult, they're going to come here and sign up and they're going to ask me to help facilitate their dreams. And because they're, they're far behind a lot of times because they didn't start at a younger age, they, they tend to always have a sense of urgency, but just kind of like an adult attitude, entitlement, things like that. Whereas a child not only is paying to train, but when they compete, they're paying. Whereas at least as an adult, you can end up getting paid to train. So it's really weird. I, I definitely think my favorite students are the kids. I'm surprised anyone would have a sense fair. of entitlement with you. 
Like, you can beat the ever-loving crap out of most people, so you're not the person I would imagine people having that sense of entitlement with. Uh, Joe, for everyone that doesn't know you, can you tell them a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah. I started wrestling at the age of 11. I did. I was a fan of a guy named Dan Henderson. He was fighting in the UFC. So when I saw that, I, I started training at 13 in judo and jiu-jitsu. I had my very first professional fight at the age 16. I fought two people that had fought for the belt in the UFC, one of which won it while in um, high school. I, uh, I quit fighting after my first marriage. Um, I had just a bad taste in my mouth. I moved to Vegas to work on my black belt under Mark Lehman. Uh, I was ended up running a lot of classes for MMA and doing very well. Joe Silva came into Mark's gym and said, I have to be on the next Ultimate Fighter. They they had just finished, you know, season one. And he asked me to do it, and then I, I went back into it and um, uh, ended up winning it. I think I won it because I didn't really – take it too serious. I, I definitely wanted it, but I had already wanted it my whole life since I was a little kid. Um, and then I went for a, t- a title run in the UFC. I fought uh, against BJ Penn. It was, it, he was one of my heroes. It sucked losing to him. <laughs> um, I continued to fight. I worked on, I was a, I guess, fight choreographer and technical advisor for Kingdom, which was an MMA show with like Jonathan Tucker, Nick Jonas, um, Frank Grillo, Matt Laria, some amazing people. Uh, I've also worked on other shows, but I, I really, my passion is, is coaching, whether it is at a lo- local tournament or a world tournament. Um, I really love it. I was up, you know, Jared was with me at 6.30 this morning, and I live 30 minutes from my gym, so I had to leave my house, wake up at 5.30, wake my kids up, get them in here, train, and it would be worth it if I showed up and it was just my two boys that are in high school. But when I look and I see Jared and I see Mikey and I see Rome and I see all these people and I understand how hungry they are, it, it's beautiful. <laughs> and, uh, and it pushes me, and that's what I really love about it. Oh, yeah. And I like that. I think US. that's... I'm the coaching director for the U.S. Uh, adult team and kids team um, for mixed martial arts. I forgot about that. My bad. So that, okay, so what I'm getting from this is you're like an all-around badass and pretty much a god in this sport. Um, cool. <laughs> so, so you have a gym in uh, Victorville, California called Cobra Kai. You focus on jiu-jitsu and MMA and all of that. What is your favorite part of, of uh, MMA? What is your favorite thing to do? What's your favorite thing to focus on? Well, I won, I won three fights without throwing a punch or an elbow um, in a row. And I think, I, I, I believe it was three. It could have been two. It was a long time ago. But I was really proud of that because I didn't learn to start boxing until I was 18. And I had already started MMA professionally at 16. So my favorite part is grappling. I like to explain to people, like, well, in boxing and kickboxing, when you get rocked in your days, I've cornered professional boxing and kickboxing. What the corners say is clinch. So if one of your natural defenses for being hit really hard is clinching or one of the better defenses, 
um, then you better be very versed in grappling. You better be prepared for somebody to um, start to wrestle. You better hold. And at the time that you clinch them, you're probably at 50% because of the impact of the blow. So that being said, you better make sure your 50% is better than their 100%. I like that. I like that. I don't know why you guys choose this job. Like, you have chosen a job where you get the ever-loving crap beat out of you. I mean, not like Jared gets the crap beat out of him way more often because you, you were way better at this than he is. No offense, Bear. Um, but, like, ha- you're welcome. <laughs> but how do you choose a job <laughs> that you know you're going to get smacked around? Like, I-, I was a model. I knew I couldn't eat. That was hard enough for me. How do you choose a job that you're like, I am going to get punched in the face today? Like, how does that come into being? You get to live real your whole life. Like, you know, it, it, you, it's weird. You watch Kingdom and you see some of the stuff. It's like, I do what I want, when I want, how I want. Um, there's something about that, you know. When I was working in Hollywood, I, I noticed that Hollywood was a lot like family law court. You get to say the meanest things to somebody politely that can affect them so bad, and you and and then you wait and see if you get a reaction. And <laughs> you're like, ah, well, yeah. And in, in, in you want to do bad things to these people that are saying the bad things, but you can't. And then, but I can't, because that's what I do. So that feels, that, that makes me feel really good. Um, and not hurting others, but um, defending others. Like, I think, you know, trying to help others become better at defending themselves and people they love. And then when they figure out that they're really good at it, the ultimate test is, you know, well, let's see how good we are at this, and let's continue it. Um, and those things like that are are just awesome in the sport. Who do you think is the current best and worst fighter in the UFC? Um, currently the best. It's hard to take away everything that John Jones has ever done um, because of mistakes. So... Technically, wise, pound for pound, I mean, you look at something like Cam or George St. Pierre, but George isn't in technically right now. John is, but he's he hasn't competed. Uh, I would think maybe best right now at the standout. Uh, I, I I honestly have to say John. You know, you can't give it to Khabib because. Khabib didn't fight the best guys. He has great management. You know, always a great manager. They fought the right guys at the right time. John Jones didn't have a choice who he fought at the right time. It was, you got to fight the best for his whole career. So was George St. Pierre. So I guess it's kind of like comparing Rocky Marciano and like Muhammad Ali or Money Mayweather. You know, it's very, but currently, John is still there, active fighting in the top contender spot at heavyweight. So I guess you go there with John. Worst fighter, um, I don't believe in that. I don't believe. I have, um, I don't think it, it's not only not fair to say worst. I, I think that anyone that's done whatever sacrifice they've had to do to get in physically, um, you know, sacrifice away from the family, sacrifice their body, all this stuff. I think no matter what, they're amazing. Now, 
I don't know how contracts are done. So any of the fake guys that sold a bunch of tickets and other shows and built up their, their like, to, to become a wanted, like, their social media and stuff, but, like, never did anything honorable, they could be bought into questions. Um, but for the most part, I, I don't think anyone. I actually have a problem with the selling tickets because I think that's taking advantage of the fighters. You should be getting your money from the audience and you should be marketing, not taking these guys who are busting their ass and picking their pockets. Yeah, well, that's that's a, a business thing. You know, on their end, you look at it as the promoter when you're winning is always going to love you. And when you're losing, they're going to love the guy that beat you. And that part right there hurts if you're not able to just, you know, distinguish between the two, like business, actual friend, man, they were so nice. Um, do you like that? No one gets you ready for all that craziness. Um, but they do do a good job of building the guys and getting them. Now it's kind of a different time to where like they're looking for guys that are already that built themselves. But I think that's really dangerous. I think when you do that, you, you're going to get people teaching other fighters or youth, oh, this is how you do it, you know. You got to get attention. You got to do this. You got to do that. Um, I, I just, I feel like the best thing you can do is prepare. Just prepare. Become the best possible person in the world and leave it all to where everyone's like, why isn't he in the UFC? And that sucks because sometimes you have to do it. It almost becomes like, a, you have to have a manager that has friends in the UFC to get somebody in unless your guy is above reproach. Like the Bo, Bo Nichols not getting in after finishing that guy and Dana saying, you know, oh, well, I just needed to see him uh, prove himself again. That's bullshit. Dana wants to bring him back on his own contender series, get the ratings on his show, and then shove him into the UFC. That's what he's going to do. Don't sit there and say it's because he's not ready. Just say, oh, well, I want to do some more cross-marketing on this. That's fine. Say that. Don't, don't make it up. Don't make anything else up. I like that. So what you want is honest MMA. I think that's good. Yeah. Guys, we are going to go to break. When we come back, we are going to be chatting more with Joe Daddy Stevenson. Make sure you take your chance to go check out Cobra Kai in Victorville, California. Great gym. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host. I'd say the baddest bear in the cage, but let's face it, Joe's on here, so he's not right now. There's the order, and we'll be right back after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. 
Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. Good day, good day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm yours. We are on with my co-host, the Harry's Bear on the Page, Beth Fiona. Welcome back, Beth. Thank you very much. And before we move on, I have to I have to insert our plugs here. So I want to make sure everyone's following us at TuneIn BTS. And you can go pretty much damn near anywhere for you to see, uh, see our content and follow us on the radio show. And of course, come to the website at voiceamerica.com to catch this live. You sound like kind of studded and everything right now. You've been working out all day, and I know that. So I think that's starting to show you. You sound a little worn out. Like, I can hear you pushing the energy, but you sound like there's a little part of you that's dying. I have been – yes, I have been here all day. Uh, that is very fair. But more than that, I have a total sleep count of five hours. So that's not the best ah. in the world. No good judgment before training. Uh, speaking of training, we are on – with the owner of Cobra Kai in Victorville, California, one of Bears coaches, a former UFC. Uh, he's from the Contender Series. He, I mean, you know, he's just all around badass. Welcome back, Joe. Oh, thank you for having me again. Yeah, I have to now, ask you, obviously the name is, I'm sorry, what? I was going to say, okay, we were great. talking about and the Obviously the name is synonymous. <laughs> we keep doing this. No, you go. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Obviously, the name Cobra Kai is synonymous with the movies, uh, but I'm curious, why did you decide to name your gym Cobra Kai? Well, my instructor in in Vegas on the Ultimate Fighter was the grappling coach Mark Lehman, and his gym is Cobra Kai. And so, in the UFC, you'll notice that I came out to Joe Espinito's uh, "You're the Best," but with like a little mix from my, my buddies from Pelface and they, they changed it up, like, the first six fights. And then um, the UFC told me I had to change it, so I think I went to, like, Amazing and some other things. But um, probably because Mark Lehman, Mark Lehman was with the Gracies prior to that, and he ended up leaving the Gracies. He kind of felt like they everything wasn't right and he tried to do his own thing and they became kind of like the bad boys of jiu-jitsu like you had to finish your guy and submit him like you couldn't count on winning by points because it wasn't going to be fair things like that um and that and so that's where it came from I, I wanted to honor my coach and now there's Cobra Kai uh, is owned by Sim Go actually in Victor or in the Vegas 
And so we're affiliates with a bunch of different Cobra guys, which is really cool. Huh. Is it a I much like larger network than I thought it was? Yeah. Um, I, Mark, I, I believe, uh, bought the copyright and owns rights to it, and it was um, bought by Sim, and we're, we're all of us that kind of came up at that time still try to represent. Like, Mark, I believe, just got his fifth degree on his black boat, which is really cool. And um, so, yeah. I guess uh, the Cobra Kai thing works from so many different levels, too, because they were the bad boys in the beginning. And they're still kind of the bad boys, I guess, on the series, if you watch that. So it is definitely pretty cool. We had the lead from the series awesome. on the show before, and one of the things he said was he thought that Cobra Kai, you know, it's supposed to be uh, the Karate Kid, but the whole Cobra Kai vibe, and he was working with Johnny and doing all that, just had the best vibe. Like, it's the place you wanted to go, because you knew they were all around badasses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's for sure. Um, are you talking about Cobra Kai in Vegas? Or are you talking about... Uh, no, no, no. We're talking about the TV show. We had the lead from the television show on with us here. Oh, that's awesome. We, um, I was, when I was working on Kingdom, some of the guys were like, hey, you want us to drop your name in? for the choreography um, and, you know, so you could help out over there. And I was like, man, that sounds so cool, guys, but I have to respectfully decline because that show, you know, helped mold me. And I was like, I would hate to lose the magic I had from my childhood by, you know, by seeing how everything's done. And totally, I would change the choreograph to more MMA, which wouldn't do it justice no, I, I think Karate Kid kind of needs to stick to karate. That might be uh, integral. <laughs> I think they have, now for uh, you, I, I believe Keith from Kingdom, or Paul, I think played Stingray on the Cobra Kai series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember when I saw him, I was like, oh, that's awesome. And, you know, I wouldn't have, if I was, like, helping out, I wouldn't have been as enthralled with that show as, as I was. I can see that. I think things That's lose fair. the magic over time. Yeah. And when you get too involved Then you got to do it. stuff to bring the magic back. Now, for you, you've done this for a really long time. This is something that's really important to you. How do you think MMA has changed in the last few years? It has gone from a sport where if you saw somebody with cauliflower ear, you knew they were either a fighter or a wrestler. And if you saw somebody with a tap-out shirt, that was uh, Danny and Charles. They were originally, like, they were police officers from the Atlanta, which is up here in the high desert. And they they started this shirt company out of the back of their car. And I, rem- um, I remember they, they had sponsored me for my first fight. They gave me a shirt. And I thought it was just so cool. It was like a wife beater that said tap out. So back in the day, we would tell everyone, man, this is going to be the biggest sport in the world. And then, and then it just started growing. And, but you would know, you would see somebody with a tap out shirt and you would know that that guy knew stuff that no one else knew or like a warrior wear or uh, any of this, like um, MMA authentic, all, any of that stuff, you knew, like, oh, cool, if stuff goes down, this guy knows what he's doing. Now, you know, you can go to 
which I'm not knocking on. I love Ross. Um, but you can go to Ross and grab a tablet shirt and not really know what it's about, walk around, represent. I didn't, you know, that happens uh, a lot where, like, they're like, oh, it's kind of like the brand lost its, its flavor. And, and not that MMA has kind of done that, but the God honest truth is, like, all these guys protecting the records or, like, wanting to fight the right guy at the right time. When I did it, you were lucky to find somebody to fight. I had to fight Dave Roberts at 205 because I couldn't find anyone to fight me. I was in high school wrestling 170. Like, that's, uh, you had to fight anyone because those were the people that were fighting. It was that small. And now it's like, it goes into these things like, well, I'm undefeated. I got this. Well, I was like, I looked up your record and all of your, your opponents have losing records. So what do you want me to say? You know, like, these people feel entitled, I guess. I guess we are coming towards the end, and we're back to entitlement. So that's where it's lost its flavor. But some people aren't entitled. Some people have earned it. You look at, like, Justin Gaethje, like, even Khabib earned it. He went up through the ranks, um, you know, started. And if he would have lost, he would have lost everything. You know, they say, oh, one loss, you know, no one lost in this fight. They're both winners. That's not true. That's like, that's the unfortunate thing. And every time somebody says no one wants to win like that, that's also not true because there's somebody that's winning and right there has an opportunity to say, no, I don't want to win this way. But they got their hand raised. Um, that's just a, that's just a part of the sport. Now, you talked about Khabib curating his uh, fight choices or who he's for. Like he no, chose no, individually. Well, he fought the right guys at the right time. You know, it wouldn't have been wise for him to fight um, somebody that was high caliber in the very beginning, but he had to build into it eventually, right? And he had to, to beat the right the people that – you can't just beat somebody that is – you can't have – be undefeated and fight somebody coming off a loss. People don't like to see that. They want to go, oh, this guy's got a 10-fight win streak. So he had to be navigated properly through the right channels. Um, and he's very hard to stop, and he's a heavy grappler, and his ground and pound is really one of some of the best. He, I believe he likes to pound people into submission to where they give them up to submission. That's one of my favorite things to do. So for sure he is tough and one of the best, but I just can't put him in the same conversation with John or, or George as of yet. Um, but he's still young. So I say as of yet, we don't know what he's done. People retire, they, they say we retire all the time just to get paid more in this sport. Well, well that's, that's the judgment. I think the whole retire. point. Hmm? Yes, you're saying they retire to get paid more. I'm curious. What, what, what do you mean? Well, I'm in a contract, and all of a sudden I say I'm going to retire. Now, now, A, you can't test me. B, um, B, I, I, I've now started whatever clause is in my contract that when I, if, if stated and I stay inactive, I can now be out of my contract and go into another contract with a different organization. You have to understand in our sport, the Muhammad Ali Act hasn't been brought into MMA to where, like, there's, you know, once you sign a contract with these guys, they own your likeness, all of this stuff. Who, like, you're supposed to be a private contractor, but you got to wear their stuff and you got to show up to their stuff, like, and do their stuff their way. 
Whereas a private contractor, we're supposed to be able to make our hours, do our thing. So it's really, it's a tough argument, I guess. Makes sense. That makes sense. All right, guys, we are going to go to break. When we come back, we are going to be chatting a little bit more with Joe Daddy Stevenson before he has to go and uh, get back to making these future fighters of tomorrow. But, Joe, when we come back, I'm going to ask you how you got that nickname. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, the my favorite bear in the cage. Let's go with that. I can't call you the baddest when Joe's on. Cause let's Yay, say, I'm the way favorite. I'm the favorite. <laughs> I'm Summer Helene. We'll be right back after this. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice of America Variety Channel. We're on Alexa smart speakers and connected devices. Hey Alexa, play Being Here podcast on Apple Podcasts. Try it now. Are you looking to get more from your relationship? Why is it that some people just seem to have a better sex life, better marriage, and a closer, more meaningful relationship? Find out the best-kept secrets and more on The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Carol and David will share insight about the swinging lifestyle and how it has strengthened their love and marriage, not to mention their great sex. Tune in every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. And I want to give a quick shout-out and say, if you follow Cobra Kai in Victorville on social media and tell me what your favorite video of theirs is, I will give you, for the first three people, a ride at Off-Road Rentals in Palm Springs, California, or one of our fabulous giveaways. 
You know, we always have a lot of them. Tell me what your favorite video or your favorite picture is, and I will give that to you. So hit us up on Twitter and let me know. I want to give a quick shout-out as well, by the way, to Aspen Mills in Palm Springs. Thank you so much. And I want to remind everyone, every time we use bad language on this show, we give money to the Boys and Girls Club of America, the Humane Society of America, and free MMA. We swear because we care. Fuck and I'd yeah. like to say welcome back. <laughs> I'd like to say welcome back to my co-host, Beth Yorda, and our very special guest, Joe Daddy Stevenson. Joe, how did you get that name? <laughs> my, uh, I um, graduated high school, turned 18, and got married three days in a row. And before that, I was named Wonder Boy. So before Stephen Thompson was Wonder Boy, I was Wonder Boy. Um, because I was fighting these guys. Well, by the time I was 19, I had two children. I was sitting down with my friend Brad Rogers. He reminds me a lot of Bear. He had a full beard in in high school. He was the friend that you'd have buy you beer. Um, like, for <laughs> sure. He still. I'm, I'm glad that I remind you of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't drink anymore. But he was drinking, and... He goes and he looks at me and goes, man, when I get really drunk, I like to tell other people's stories and act like they're mine. And I was like, you son of a gun. That's exactly, I knew that was my story. And I was like, wow, that's weird. And he's like, oh, I love you. I was like, I love you too. And he's like, but really, you're not a boy anymore. You should change your name. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you're more like Joe Mama or Joe Daddy. And when he said that, I was like, well, because I do have two boys, and now I have four. And I was like, I am. So I changed my name that day when he gave it to me, um, because you can't name yourself. And so have, taking that responsibility on. And it's cool because people are always like, yeah, that's Joe Daddy. He's going to be your daddy. That's not how I mean it at all. I mean it like I love my kids. I would go to hell to guarantee my kids didn't. And I will do whatever it takes to make sure they love life and treat everyone well and respectful. So, like, that's really where I got my name. But, I mean, if you want to say, oh, I'm going to be your daddy, sure. And I did when I won the Ultimate Fighter. <laughs> I did tell Luke Kumo that I am his father. I was like, Luke, I'm your father. But now come to find out with the Mandela effect, like, evidently that's not the exact quote. I do, I do love stuff on the American uh, on the Mandela effect. It's the uh, apparently the line is "No, I am your father," but everyone knows it is like, yes. "I am your father." Like that, everyone knows it is that. Well, now it's it feels like egg on my face because I said it right before I was having my fight for the uh, the tough title. So evidently, I messed up. But everyone knows it as Luke, I am your father. So everyone would have known exactly what you meant. Yes. But the, the thing that hurts and irks me is I know better. I should have, I should have totally said <laughs> something else. This is disappointing I didn't get it right. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. I should have done better. Yeah. Perfectionist. That's fair. Okay. Now, for you, you've gone on, you've trained, you've coached, you've fought yourself. What is your proudest moment in MMA, and what advice do you have for the young guys trying to get in and the young girls? Um, my proudest moment in MMA was watching my son win a national title in the youth MMA 
um, this year. And it, uh, it made me cry. And I told him because, you know, I've coached people to, in, to, to get in title shots and um, major organizations for a, a while. And, but it didn't matter to me because I'm only a direct reflection of my children. And I, I gave him a hug and I said, I love you so much and thank you, son. And he was, he was like, it's okay, Dad. I was like, I know, I know. And if I had advice, um, you know, keeping a level head, being humble, looking for the things that colleges look for, like um, for people to be great athletes and professionals, that's, that's something that's really important. We, I, I think it's more important because I can teach anyone the stuff that I know, but if, if I can use that to, to help like instill somebody to understand like there's so much more like you get to 15 minutes of fame, you know, or your five minutes when they give you the mic after your fight and what you say in that five minutes is going to carry on. Like I haven't fought in a while and I still am proud of everything I ever said. And I don't mind if my children watch me or listen to what I have said or done. Um, I don't have to explain anything to them because they can watch everything and it. It's going to be exactly what I said. So to me, I can live with myself. That's, that's really important. And I hope that, that maybe the youth now kind of understands how important that is. Some of the people are like, oh, I don't need to, I don't, that's not going to affect me. That's not how it works. But they don't understand when it's all like over that, well, it's all you kind of got is your self, your self-respect, your word, um, your integrity, and it's it's priceless. Something people always ask: We've had uh, quite a few different MMA fighters on the show. The question everyone asks, and I'm going to tell you all out there: This is a pre-record. We're actually recording this on the Thursday, and you'll be hearing it live on the Friday. So that's why there are, like, no news references because we're a day behind. Um, but one of the questions they always ask all of the fighters live, what is your weirdest or funniest moment in the cage? One time I was fighting Nate Diaz, and I had watched tape on him, and I knew that everyone got tired hitting him, and then he would come back and win. Um, and so I was pounding him good, and he looked at me, and he, and the part of my words, but he said, is that all you got, B-word? And I was like, and I looked at him. And he was, And he had tried to say a lot of mean stuff during the fight. And I looked at him in the eyes, and I was like, no, Nate, this is the game plan. And when I said that to him and I saw his face, he realized I was serious. And I think that took a little of the wind out of the cell because I wasn't going to exert myself to get fatigued and let him come back to win. I like that's that. such a so boss thing to say, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that one kidding? was cool. And a better one than that was, like, one time Melvin was like, yeah, we're fighting. Let's bet our purses. And I was like, no, Melvin, anything could happen in a fight. And we were on a radio show. And he was like, yeah, um, right there. That shows me that you're scared. See, now I know you're scared. And I go, no, Melvin, that's not it at all. I make more money than you. Like, I didn't want to say that the whole time. Like, I was trying to, to be respectful. So, 
So that was, I guess, something that has also been said. So either one of those, I guess, <laughs> are pretty funny. Well, that's fantastic. No, that's, but it, those it are both fantastic moments. things to say. Yeah. They're it's, wonderful. It's, it's, a total, <laughs> it's a total boss moment. I, yeah, I think those are the, the things that make fighting cool. Because I, I definitely, the class action people, they hit me up. They're like, oh, yeah, you want to join this? And I was like, nah, I signed a contract. I know what I was, I was. I said yes to this, that, and the other. I was like, so I didn't want to join it. But it was just a different time. Like, we weren't getting paid more um, than they are now, but we there was something about knowing somebody was scared to fight you that, like, they can never take that away from you. Um, that feeling that another adult is want, will turn down a fight with you, that, that, that feeling... Is amazing. Hearing seventeen thousand people cheer your name. There's nothing like that. And so what happens to us fighters is we chase those feelings, and after our career, tend to use drugs and bad things, and that's not, you know, the proper outlet because you're always trying to chase that that feeling you had, chase the dragon, I guess. Um, so that's a scary mm-hmm. part of our sport. Oh, that's a pretty dark end of it. I never thought about that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. But it's real. Like, you know, you, you see a lot of these older coaches, and you're like, man, that guy's a jerk. Or he's a jerk. No, he just says the truth that he knows. He just says what he knows is truth because he's tired of BS. You know, the old mean coaches, oh, yeah, well, you suck, this, that, and the other. Well, I'm waste my time. Well, because he figured out that time's the only commodity we're not we're not going to have, like we lost it. This second is gone. The, like those, that coach, he knows that he's had his heart broke a million times and he doesn't want to have it broke again unless it's really worth it. So he's going to tell you the truth. He's a little salty, but he's going to tell you. And me, I get to tell people the truth, but I'm very good at articulating it in a polite way um, to where they understand it and they take it a little differently. I think that's what I've become good at telling people is the truth. Really, really, really nice. Should I take this fight? No. It's going to be very bad. It's his own town. At altitude. In a week. So there's certain things that you have to be willing to, to do as you get into coaching and stuff. And telling the truth is one of them, and that kind of makes it makes you a little bit more salty, I guess. So sorry for taking it in a dark place, guys. Oh, no, no I, it's you know, great. I it's good information. Get it. I appreciate Guys, it. I have experienced that. No, go for it. Go for it. We have, we have to go to break. I know you're excited to talk to Joe. We'll be right back, guys, after this. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Win prizes just for calling in. Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. This companion piece to her successful guidebook series, The Space of the Waste, focuses on body types and how to make your waist length flattering, no matter what your body type is. Guests include designers, merchandise managers, factory owners, and more. You'll also find out what accessories will complement your body shape and waist length. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Did you know that millions of people around the world do not have children? And yet the personal and professional experiences of people without children remain largely unacknowledged across cultures and within our personal networks. Public and workplace policies, media narratives, and educational content often reflect an unconscious bias, rendering our experiences invisible. New Legacy Radio engages these missing conversations with the voices of our community and allies and through committed action for meaningful change. New Legacy Radio, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. Guys, thank you so much for being on here with us. I know that our very special guest, Joe Daddy Stevenson, has to get going. Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know it means a great deal, especially to all those aspiring fighters out there. Where can everyone find you on social media? Um, I think my Instagram started it for my son. I think it's Joe Daddy Stevenson, nineteen eighty two. But um, I think that that's pretty much my handle on like most of my social media. Okay, I'm going to put up a link to Joe's social media. Uh, I, I adore you. You are just like a dyed-in-the-wool true blue fighter. You're not into the glitz, the glamour, the media. You're into the fighting, and you're into the coaching, and I love that about you. Thank you so much for joining us, Joe. Well, thanks for having me. I'll see you guys, uh, I'll see you guys soon. Absolutely. Yes, sir. I love how he says... Uh, Bear that he'll see you soon. I think what he means, as soon as you're done recording this radio show, you are literally going to go in there and train with him. Yeah, I'm going to run straight. I'm I'm in a room right now, in an office right now. I'm going to just bolt straight out the door as soon as we finish and get, get my stuff together. Now, I have to ask you this. What's it like training with Joe? It's intense, but it's pleasurably intense because he's a very funny and charismatic man. And so... Where I was, I was going to say how he's very good at that, you know, telling people bad news in a great way. I was doing sprints with him the other day, and it's one minute running hard and an incline, and one minute walking, but it's constant motion. And as I'm sprinting, after the first round, I just looked pathetic. I looked sad going <laughs> up this treadmill. But there's Joe. He's just he's just telling me stories or just talking about how great it's going to be and how close I am to the end. And then later he texts me like, <laughs> "I love seeing how much you're improving." And it wasn't it, it I, you could take it in many different ways. I took it as that means I'm getting better, and that's important. But it also could have meant uh, you suck, but you are getting better little by little. 
And so he's just got a very well, good he, way of talking to people. And it's just very inspiring. I could be having the worst moments on the mat possible, but there's Joe to say a joke or say something uplifting, sort of like, I'm getting my ass kicked. Both my eyes are, you know, swollen shut, and I think my lips split open. But, Dad, do I feel good about what's happening right now? <laughs> so, basically, so what Joe has is he has that, like, uh, he, he's inspirational. He's an inspirational dude. He's a very inspirational man. If he wasn't doing this, I'm sure he'd be a motivational speaker or doing, I'm sure he's doing something that may, maybe not, I don't know how much in the limelight he'd want to be, but something that would get a lot of people off their asses doing something. Maybe he'd be a counselor. I don't know. Now, you've worked with a lot of MMA fighters. You've worked with a lot of these guys. And, you know, you, you've said that Joe is essentially uh, the one that you find the most inspirational. Wow. Yeah, so the I said exactly, oh, sorry. Um, I, I said exactly he is uh, my best coach, period. Now, I say that because yes. I've been through tons of different coaching styles. You know, my very first, I think, I, I, if I had to put it really down to a, to a first, second, third place thing, he'd be tied for first. I'm always going to fall back on my one of my original coaches, uh, Steve Wolston, who brought me up in Taekwondo, and he had many different people under him to bring me up in martial arts. But as far as competition goes, in, in individual, an in individual training and kind of like what we need to do as fighters to be able to compete, I don't think there's another man better than him from my personal experience. And I've had the privilege and pleasure to train people like Cub Swanson or his brother Steve Swanson, uh, some of the top competitors and trainers. Uh, like Batiste, I wish I remember his last name, over in Millennia MMA here in California as well. Even even down to other coaches at Dan Henderson's gym where Joe also teaches. Uh, I've been I've been around in this industry for 20 years, and so that's where I can say he's, after all that experience, he's definitely like the man I wish I had found when I was first getting into MMA. Because you had a pretty rough time when you first got in. Yeah, it's not easy. The first and biggest thing I always tell people when it comes to the martial arts world is, one, you obviously have to get into a gym to really improve, but you want to get into a gym and find a trainer that makes you happy. It's got to seem like family or at least a really good friendship really, really fast because otherwise you're just going to be really unhappy with whatever you're doing. You may never train again. And with Joe, I was luckily able to find that. What's the hardest part of training with Joe? I mean, he's, you know, he's this really experienced, incredible dude. Do you ever have those moments where you're like, please don't let me make an ass of myself? No. Um, actually, never anything like that. And I, the hardest thing I'd say is just he's very intense. He's just a very intense man. He will make, he will make whatever you're doing sound really, really fun, even if you are suffering through it. <laughs> but there's never a time where I'm thinking, there's never a time where I'm thinking like, oh, I don't want to accidentally say this or that or make a mistake. Um, I think he's kind of like, and I don't mean this in a bad way. He's kind of like a simple dish when it comes to cooking. It's very forgiving. You know, Did you can make some, you can make a lot of mistakes. No, I, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> <laughs> you, you can make a lot of mistakes with certain with certain meals and certain food. When you're making it, you can make a lot of mistakes and it'll still come out relatively okay. He's just like that. You can make a lot of mistakes. You can say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, 
and the patience is going to be there. But I think that comes from his time in coaching and training as well. Now, you've said Joe, to you, was one of the most exceptional coaches you've had. What made him different from the others? Right. His style. His style of coaching was different. There's, there are definitely people who are way more attentive, but that would be more of an individual level where I am the sole focus of that time. I have not experienced that yet, so I couldn't talk about that. But there are also coaches who blatantly disregard any form of individuality and treat everyone the exact same. That, to me, is a bad coach. When I can look at a classroom and I can watch them for five minutes, and I can go around and tell each person something they can do to improve what they just showed me. That's a sign of a decent coach. You can work at it from there. But when you have a guy who just kind of looks at a class and gives an instruction, and no matter what everyone does, he'll say the same general thing. Oh, remember to keep your hands up. Remember to have your toes pointed forward. But not really directed at a person. He'll just move on to the next lesson. Where Joe, more so than what I just said in the first place, where he can look at few different people analyze what they're doing and give them a little bit to improve on themselves. He can just do that on a grander scale. He can drastically alter the way someone trains their fight just by watching them and giving them a couple of tips and hints here and there. And I think that's what makes someone a really good coach is when you can cater the training to an individual person, but do that for multiple people at a time so that everyone gets the best practice possible. Has working under Joe changed the way you coach people? Yeah, actually, I've, I've had the pleasure of being on, uh, being a part of his training sessions with the younger kids. Um, and so I'm helping, um, assisting him in that regard, but more so I'm learning what he does with these younger groups. Like for Free MMA, our nonprofit, I have only worked with six years and older. That's what our standard actually still currently is. But as I'm learning, to train and work with these younger students and what it takes to actually bring up someone who starts martial arts at three or four or five. I'm learning what is the best way to actually guide them so that when they do get to six, they're ready to learn some of the more necessary things for self-defense and martial arts. So I'm learning how to be a better coach, actually. I like that. Well, guys, thank you very, very much for joining us. This went from uh, behind the scenes in Hollywood to MMA and MMA, but it was a fun Let's Talk MMA go. Fuck yeah, I'm MMA. I'm Summer Helene. You, <laughs> you can follow me everywhere on Summer Helene. You, of course, know Bear. You can follow him everywhere on Bear. Follow behind the scenes. We'll see you guys next week. Good night. Thanks for checking out the show. Behind the Scenes can be heard live on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. Be sure to join Summer Helene for more Scoop next week.